In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. So in these, on these Monday nights, we're looking at answering a lot of the why questions, because these are important questions for us to answer. And the second one that we have is, why is there authority in the church, and why should we submit to this authority? So I was looking over a number of different possibilities of presenting this, and I looked at a lot of different material. I found a very, very good article by a man named Mark Meter, M-E-A-D-O-R, and I think you can find it on Ancient Faith Radio. And he takes a different perspective from this, and he looks at it from the perspective of somebody coming into the church who's just searching, who may have not had any sort of a faith background, or particularly from somebody coming from a Protestant background. Most of us who are Orthodox or who are Roman Catholic have an understanding of the authority of the church. So it's sometimes good for us to understand it from a different perspective so that we can truly understand what it is that we're dealing with here when we talk about authority. So why is there authority in the church and why should we submit to it? We're not going to go to any easy answers here. You could easily say, one could easily say, uh, well, listen to what Christ said. Christ said, if you forgive, if you retain the sins of any, they are retained. And if you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. That comes from the Gospel according to St. John, just after the resurrection. And from this, we know that authority was given to the disciples, who then become the apostles, to forgive sins. And that authority is kept within the church. This seems clear. <clears throat> All the, pres all the apostles are present to hear it. And indeed, in all the teachings that Jesus gives, all the teachings, all the apostles are present. There are a few times when just Peter, James, and John are with Christ, but the true teaching that is given for the whole is given when all of them are present. But that's not enough. That's not enough. And it's not enough for two reasons. <clears throat> and... Here are these two reasons why it's not enough. First, we have to deal with authority and submission and what these things mean. Sometimes people who convert to the Orthodox faith have said that I've left the Protestant error of individualism. And that was a big problem, that anybody can read the scriptures on their own and determine what they mean. That's not quite true of all Protestants because they do fall within many, many categories. And if you fall within that category, then ultimately you submit to what that teaching is, whether it be Methodist or Lutheran or Baptist or whatever the, the divisions amongst them are. Some people and some Protestants say that this is folly anyway since everything is submission and you just enter under a different type of submission, whether it's the Pope, a bishop, Luther, whomever it might be. But this also is inconsistent, because if he says, I don't want to submit to the Pope, but he then goes to a Protestant faith, you're still submitting to one particular type of teaching. And if you don't submit to that, then there is still one other person you submit to, and that's yourself. So there's always some object of submission to anybody when it comes to authority. Some would say that submission is also 
meaningless because it's voluntary. And on the other hand, unchosen submission is slavery. But we have to think about something for a minute when it comes to submission. Christ himself submitted his will to the Father. We hear this clearly. That Jesus Christ becomes obedient unto death, even death on a cross. We know that this is true. He submits to the Father. And the Holy Spirit listens to what the Father and the Son are doing and telling it to do. Okay? There's always submission. St. Paul says even that we submit to one another. He says that husbands must submit to wives, wives must submit to husbands, children to their elders, and so on and so forth. Choosing what to submit to matters, and here is the key. Now the second problem with this is the appeal to authority. Almost all appeals to authority become circular in nature. And they're circular because of this reason. People will ask, what is the authority of the church? The answer, that which is taught by the church. So then which is the true church? The answer, the one that teaches the apostolic faith, the one that teaches the faith from the beginning. But this is a problem because it's a circular reasoning. And the issue is then, what is truth? So we have to speak about what is truth. Now, underneath this statement of what is truth, for most people, when we speak about this, there is a latent empiricism or rationalism to it, that truth has to be something we can measure, truth has to be something we can see, something that we can intellectualize. That matters, and that comes into play in the Orthodox Church, but that's not all that truth is. Truth, for the Orthodox Church, is a personal relationship with God. Most of the Gospel, according to St. John, in fact, expresses this. So the answer to the question of what is the truth should really be a change in the question as to who is the truth. Pilate asks that very question when he says, what is the truth? And what is lacking with Pilate at that moment is his relationship with Jesus because he's looking at the truth. He doesn't have a relationship with that truth. We all seek knowledge, but we must also seek faith. Faith is not irrational, but knowledge is not enough. Knowledge also has to be relational. And I'll give you an example, too. If we talk about truth, as it is so often done in this postmodern world, what we will hear from so often from people is, this is my truth, and you have a truth, and I have a truth. But in any case, in order to understand it, you have to have a relationship with that person to even come close to understanding it. So no matter what, no matter how we look at it, we have to look at truth in terms of relationship. But faith, 
is not the same as certainty. Knowledge is sort of a quest for certainty. We want to know exactly for sure what is going to happen. But Jesus himself tells us that we're not going to have certainty in our lives. He even says, this generation is an evil generation. It seeks a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of Jonah. And that's from the Gospel according to St. Luke. And what is the sign of Jonah? What? Three days down and then the resurrection. Okay, three days in the belly of the whale and the resurrection that comes. He also says this, and we remember the Gospels and we hear this often. If they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced that someone should be raised from the dead. That's from Luke 16. What story does that come after? Do we remember? Lazarus, the rich man in Lazarus. Not the raising of Lazarus, but the rich man in Lazarus. Okay? Even if somebody comes from the dead, they're not going to believe it. If there's no relationship there, they're not going to believe it. And he also says at the end of the Gospel according to St. John, when he's talking to St. Thomas, blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. Now, this doesn't mean that faith is irrational. It does not mean that at all. But what it's saying, and what the Orthodox Church is always preaching, is that the Holy Spirit, which is at the center of our faith, cannot be subjected to a mechanical understanding of God. And we can't always give human understandings to divine things. This is why I personally object when anybody says to me, all right, we're going to talk about God, so we're going to have these three premises. You will agree that God is omniscient, all-knowing, that God is omnipotent or omnipotent, all-powerful, and God is omnipresent, everywhere present. And off the bat, I always say I will not submit to that because we are submitting to human understandings and confinements, and we can't do that with God. As Father Michael spoke yesterday at the Feast of the, the, the Great Vespers for the Annunciation, the great mystery that is so often sung in our church and preached about is how could the Virgin Mary contain the uncontainable? That's something that the Orthodox Church, and I will say probably the Catholic Church, can easily talk about because especially for the Orthodox Church, we cannot put boundaries on God. And so we have to sometimes remove that barrier even from our discussions. And it's a question, because we don't know this answer. How could the uncontainable be in a womb? The one that is in the heavens, that created everything, be confined to this, as someone once said, room without a view. There is no single mechanism, therefore, for the exercise of authority. But the authority that is in the church is found in the life of the church because it's in the life of the church that relationships are forged between God and man and between people. It's the sharing of the whole life of the church, especially the Eucharist and worship, where we actually receive and take into ourselves God. Again, another paradox, or at least seeming paradox, 
that the Holy Spirit can actually dwell within us and every single person that is alive. It's also meaning, it also means that we have to share the apostolic authority. It is found in the canons. It is found in icons. It is found in the councils of the church. It is found in the teachings of the fathers of the church. It is found in all of our tradition. All of our tradition is based on relationships. And this gives us the faith that we have in Christ. Now, this doesn't mean that faith must have reason absent from it. That's, that's far from the truth. I said that earlier on. But we can't use reason simply to understand our relationship with God or to find what is the right church or why we should submit to this authority. And in this aspect, that's why history and theology become important. Because we want to pick something that does at least two things. One, something that has a faith that remains unchanged. That is the exact same thing that Christ taught to the apostles and that is taught 2,000 years later in our time. That is something that we want and something that we should have. And it's something that we can find through history and through theology. And second, we want this thing to be preserved without interruption, that it remained constant through all this time because Christ himself is unchanging. When we think of this, then we can understand why we need to submit. It is a voluntary action, but it is one that expresses a relationship, one that expresses our understanding of God. One that gives us, for our own minds, if one would like to think it in this way, clear knowledge of what it is we are participating in and what it is we are faithful to. But all of that must be contained within this understanding that it is the Holy Spirit that guides the life of the church. And because that must be unbroken and it must be given from Christ, we can see why authority in the church has to be maintained in such a way. One thing we always have to keep in mind, particularly from the Orthodox perspective, and it is shown in every aspect of the Orthodox Church, that authority doesn't lie in any one single place, but it abounds in many different areas. As I mentioned, you can have authority in the canons, in the iconography of the church, in the councils, the fathers, all these things, in the, especially in the sacraments of the church and the worship of the church. But it can also be found in the way the church is set up in and of itself. That we have different patriarchs, different archbishops. They are in charge of their own areas. No one else can interfere with them. And yet, in orthodoxy, we share a common life. We share a common relationship. And that common relationship in life is expressed through the sacramental life of the church. That's why it's so important and why we can't share that with anybody else unless they're orthodox. And why it is so devastating when that communion is broken for whatever the reason may be.
So in all cases, we are submitting to something. What we choose to submit to is important. And what we would want to choose to submit to is something that brings out the life of the Holy Spirit, the life that Christ gives to the church through the Holy Spirit. And all of that is certainly contained within our Greek Orthodox faith. Are there any questions on that? Rather than within the Holy Trinity, the persons of the Holy Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, there is a sharing and submitting to one another of their personal attributes. So for example, the Son and the Spirit submit to the Father in that only that person can be the Father. The Father and the Spirit submit to the Son in that, at least in this way, there are other ways too, in that they acknowledge the second person as the Son and nothing else. And likewise with the Holy Spirit. Okay? But that's all based on their relationship of pure and absolute love to one another. Okay, does that make sense? All right, well, have a blessed evening.